everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. I am Jenny. And I'm Tony, and we're glad that you've joined us for this broadcast. Yes. Uh, really quick, before we get any further, we just want to encourage you to maybe push pause or just maybe run as fast as you can <laughs> to the kitchen to get uh, some communion supplies because we will be participating in communion today. So something to drink, something to eat, cracker, unleavened bread, and uh, or wine. I know it's early, but it's holy. <laughs> maybe some cereal. Or juice, yeah. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you would like to do. <laughs> hey, also we want to uh, remind you all that we are having kind of a all church barbecue. Um, that is going to be at many locations. So if you are in a small group, we are encouraging you to get together with your small group, have them over. This is gonna take place on June 20th, um, or the week of, if you can't get together on the right, actual right. June 20th. Um, but get together with your small group, have them over, um, just see each other face to face and enjoy one another's company. We are all longing for that right now. Also, if you are not in a small group, um, we would love to help you get into one or get you connected to one of these barbecues that's happening throughout the community. Well, and it, what's really important too, we want to see your pictures. So make sure you yes. snap a picture of that and hashtag it, post it, be the church 2020, so that way we can share and everybody can see. Yes. Hey, so just a little mark your calendar, save the date sort of thing. July 5th, uh, we have arrived at the place where, and Alan mentioned this last week in his sermon, where, where we feel like we can get together. We can have a big corporate gathering of people. So it's extremely exciting, but we don't know exactly what that looks like yet um, because we're still tiptoeing into this, uh, you know, post-COVID or nearly post-COVID sort of scenario. So, um, but July 5th, make sure you block that calendar uh, date out uh, because we have some details to come. So every year we participate in uh, the citywide baby bottle campaign, normally from Mother's Day through Father's Day. Well, because of the uh, unprecedented times right now, uh, we are actually gonna be helping out with their virtual baby campaign that's gonna be launching on Father's Day weekend. Uh, we will be posting on our social media platforms uh, ways that you can fill a virtual baby bottle. Um, we'll be doing multiple posts um, as well as having information in our newsletter about this. So keep an eye out for that. All right, attention all you golfers out there. Uh, the For the City Network is putting on its first annual golf tournament. Okay. Uh, registration opens up June 15th and the actual tournament is August 29th. We're trying to raise $25,000 to benefit uh, a couple of local organizations. Um, you may have heard some of these names before. I think we've worked with some of them. Finally Home, Jobs of Hope, International Neighbors. Um, we would love for you to, to be involved in this to some, some way. You can also sign up to be a sponsor. Look into that. Yeah, you can go to the For the City Network page, their Facebook page, and go to their events and all the information is there as well as in our newsletter this week. All right, so this is the number to our prayer text line. If you have a prayer request, please text it to this number and know that our prayer team is gonna be praying for you. Feel free to text anytime today. Hey, so we've got a lot of things that are coming up, things that are still happening in ministry here, and we are so grateful um, for your generosity and partnering with us um, to make these things happen. Uh, we've made it very simple uh, for our online giving as well as our text to give option. That's what I like to do personally. Texting Pretty is much easy. easier. Um, so you can text this number. Uh, you can do a one-time gift. You can do a recurring gift. Um, but again, we are not able to do this um, without your guys' partnership, and we are so grateful um, for all of you. Thank you. Woo! That was a, that was a hefty video announcement. That was a lot of stuff. We had quite a few cuts in there. Uh, thank you again for joining us today. Yes. Um, we we love that you're here. We love that you're watching. Click like. Uh, click subscribe. 
Um, comment down below. Join us in the feed for you know uh, conversation. Uh, we're just pumped that you're here. We hope you guys have an amazing service. Bye. As we transition now to just worship the Lord, will you join us in positioning our hearts to engage with the Father? I pray a blessing of the Lord's presence wherever it is that you are watching this, whenever you're watching this. I pray you would feel his presence both within you and around you in that room. But more than anything else, can we just together collectively posture ourselves in this place of giving to the Lord, of adoring him, of worshiping him as we sing out to him in spirit and truth. Let's worship our King together.
everybody. Uh, it is good to see you, and I, I can actually see you from a heart perspective. Um, so it's good to see you at home. It's good to see you in your cars. It's good to see you in all the places that you are tuning in. It's an honor to be here in your spaces. Um, so I've, I've seen a bunch of people out, and, and, and people are just excited to uh, be out and finally doing things, and they come up to me, and the first thing that they ask, and like, it's like this common thing, they ask, how are the bees? How are the bees? Like, that's our point of connection because I keep beehives. And, and so um, just to bring up the speed, the bees are great. It is great to be a beekeeper in the springtime. It is great to be a beekeeper in the springtime because the bees are actually, like, pretty happy. Um, the, so in the spring, uh, it is uh, this time that, that a bunch of the bees, they actually don't have a home. They're out trying to find a, a place to build their home. They don't have any honey because it's, it's super early in the season. And, and they are just out, and they don't have anything to protect. They don't have anything to fight for. They don't have anything to be angry about. It's like spring. There's pollen. There's flowers, and it's beautiful. Compared to the bees in September or the bees in August, I enjoy being a beekeeper in the springtime. I absolutely hate being a beekeeper in September or August because who the bees are and how the bees act in September or August is a completely different experience than in the spring. Because in the spring, they don't have a hive. They don't have anything um, that they've built up. They don't have to protect anything, and they're not mad. But in the summertime, they've spent so much time b busting their butt all summer long to collect as much honey and produce as much honey as possible, and they are sitting on pounds and pounds and pounds of, of honey gold. And so in September, going into a beehive, it is a terrible experience. The sound of the bees in the springtime, it's like this happy buzzing. It's so different than in September. It's like zip, 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 zip. In September, I have these headphones I put on and I, I play cl classical songs. So I don't go crazy at the sound of the angry bees because I start to get angry. Furthermore, they are just, they will sting you through your suit in September. But in the springtime, you don't even have to have on a suit because they are so content. And I was telling someone the other day, it was like, it's kind of like people. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, like there are uh, these times and these cultures of people that don't have a ton of things. And it's springtime, and they don't have anything to fight for or protect or, or to cause this separation experience from, or they don't have anything to be angry about. It's just like this heart of happiness and joy, generosity, hospitality, come and experience the bees type of thing. And then there are those people who have spent the whole summer building their empires. And to encounter those people, 
it's terrifying. And sometimes it would feel awesome to put on headphones so that you wouldn't have to encounter that. I feel like the space that has been created today, um, as, as far as, as people, um, as far as our culture, um, as far as politics, it kind of can be summarized by that, uh, the, those two dichotomies of spring and summer and this desire to, to almost find peace in between the two. Um, I've been talking to so many people um, who are just frustrated um, about the environment, and they're frustrated about all the things that are going on with politics and, and, and how, how they don't know the place to belong. Do they belong over here or do they belong over here? And, and COVID and, and all the other things that are happening as far as people groups and how does this fit into our politics? I'm going to offer you a bit of freedom here and say before anything gets to the point of politics, before any conversations get to the point of politics, before any of our hearts get to the point of having to define the place you belong in politics or, or public perspective, the conversation of the church, the conversation of Jesus is always the first place of belonging to the sons and daughters of God. If you are a daughter or son of God, the first thing, the first thing that you should be thinking about as soon as something happens, it should be, what is Jesus thinking about this? What is Jesus doing in this? Does Jesus see this? Of course he sees this. So how is he posturing himself? How do I posture then my heart in Jesus and what he is doing? Because that's where the buck stops. Everything is an issue of Jesus before it's an issue of anything else. And today I'm coming at it from that perspective. It's the, the issues of Jesus, the things that he cares about, the thing that causes his heart to go pitter-patter should cause our hearts to go pitter-patter too. And the things that causes Jesus' heart to be angry should cause our hearts to be angry too. And the things that Jesus does to create peace should be the things that you and I do to create peace too. Because the story of the gospel is this experience of peace in the chaos. And that, that's like the story from the beginning. It's peace in the chaos. And if you are feeling as if things are chaotic today, good for you. Because you are right. Things are chaotic and frustrating and confusing. But this is the place that Jesus begins the story, ends the story, and creates all this space in between for his people to thrive. Here it is. So our first passage today is going to come from the very beginning of the Bible, like the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Genesis 1. Here it is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. 
And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters and separate the water from water so that God made the vault separate the water under the vault and water above it. And it was so. All right, so, so from the beginning and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this was what was first. It paints this picture, the beginning of the the Bible paints this picture that God hovered over the sea of nothingness, okay? And, 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 and to uh, the, the people in ancient history, the symbol of, of W-A-T-R is the symbol of chaos. It is like the symbol of fear. It's the symbol of the unknown. It's a symbol of something that back then killed a lot of people. And God's spirit was hovering over it and taking a survey of the chaos. There's something just simply in that that says God has got this. If culture today feels kind of like chaos, picture God hovering over it, taking a survey of all the things happening. If our hearts feel like chaos, picture God hovering over your heart, taking a survey of it, saying, God's got this. Then what he does, he just doesn't got this, he says, I can do something with this. So God is hovering over this void, this chaos, the oceans of the deep before the oceans ever existed because they were all combined in disorder. And as he's taking the survey, God says, I'm going to break it. The term separation also means breaking. And so he takes the, the, the darkness, and he takes, takes honey light, because before they were combined, so neither of them existed, and he broke the two apart, and he separated it, so there is darkness, and so there is brightness. He broke it in two, creating the space in between for, for order to exist. Then, he takes the sea and the sky, and he begins to order it, right? He breaks it in two, creating this vault that holds the sky up, and this vault that holds the sea down. He separates this. He breaks it in two, creating this space in between for people to exist. Then he does the same things as far as the ocean and, and the earth. And he, he takes the ocean and the earth and he breaks it in two and he separates it out. And he creates dry land. Why? To create the space in between for people to live and be fruitful and to be happy. So darkness, the daylight, the sky, the ground, the ocean, dry land, 
was all through this act of breaking and separating and ordering out of the sea of death and chaos. Do you see where we're going here? It's God hovers over the chaos. He takes a survey of it and says, I can do something with this. And then he breaks it. I wonder if the breaking hurt. And he breaks it into creating spaces in between for people and animals and habitat to live. If I had been trying to do a sermon on hospitality, I would probably begin here and say that, that the ultimate hospitality is this act of breaking because God is creating the ultimate home and the ultimate experience for people by separating chaos, by ordering chaos, and saying this is the truth and this is where you belong through this act of breaking. There is something about the intentionality of God in preparing this space to preparing this hospitable space for people is if he almost saw people before they even existed. He had them inside of his head saying, I am going to create the perfect home for people and people don't even exist yet. I'm curious if that's how he felt about the church too. I hope so. There is something about the heart of hospitality and the heart of God that hospitality is not just simply inviting someone over to your house and preparing food for them, but it is almost this fullness, this full expression of generosity and this preparing a place, an environment for people even before they step in the front door. It's taking the ownership of seeing someone's heart before they even need it. The act of hospitality is solidarity in the very creation process with the heart of God. And often, hospitality begins in the act of breaking. I had this experience a couple summers ago. I took Zion uh, to the X Games. And um, the X Games, it's, uh, you know, like this, this, um, alternative sports competition and um, half of the experience was done outside and it's during the summer so it's like baking hot and then half the experience is then in the inside and there are thousands of people and it is truly chaos and so um, so, so during this time uh, he had this like the, the event that he was dying to go to, but I couldn't find it in the brochure. And, and I couldn't find the space that the both of us were intending on going, but he's like, Dad, it's going to begin. It's going to begin. We need to get there. We need to get through the half-life. We need to get, you know, and he's just like, dude, I don't know what, and he's like, go ask for somebody. I, I do bad at talking and talking to people I don't know and it creates this anxiety for me and so he's like just go ask somebody and I'm like I don't want to ask somebody and I'm holding up this map and trying to find it and he's like dad it's just about to begin and and so I'm like okay I'm gonna swallow it I'm just gonna ask somebody and so so I go up to this 
girl who's probably in college and she has this thing on that says, how can I help you? And I, I go up to her and I said, hi, I'm trying to find, you know, the half pipe quarterfinals and blah, 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 and I don't know where you are. And, and so I'm like, and I'm just trying to explain, and she's smiling at me. I'm at the X Games, okay? Like, the, the, the X Games, like, people are cool. Um, they're, they're trying, I don't know. Like, it's this different culture. It's, it's, I would expect the opposite of this heartbeat of hospitality, I think. And so, and, and, and so, so I'm talking to this college girl, like, I, I gotta go here, the half by quarterfinals, and I'm like explaining, and like, here's my son, and he's like, eh. And so, and she goes, oh my gosh, it's all the way on the other side, and you're in a wrong spot. I'll take you there. <laughs> and I was like, what? And, and she pulled out her, her thingy, and this is just my son and I. And he's not even competing, and I, I mean, like, and she's like, I'll take you there. And she calls this thingy, and a golf cart pulls up, and she says, hop in. And she turns on the beep, beep, beep. And, and so, so she and I and my son's I are going, and, and going through this crowd. The crowd is, like, separating for us, creating a space in between. And, and we are going for it, and she speeds up, and she's, and I felt like a celebrity. It was really incredible. I felt like a celebrity in a place I was not. I felt like I belonged, and I was elevated up in a place that I really didn't belong. And she is taking me to the halfpipe quarterfinals. And, and so, and, and so she's taking us, and we get there, and it's about to begin. And because she's in this golf cart, it was like this grand entrance, and it was kind of like, kind of scary. I was like, hey, you know. Anyway, so, so we're going up, and she takes my son by the hand, and she takes us to the very front. To the point. That, that the both of us, as the event is happening, got on ESPN2 going like this. Um, so going from this place of like profound, I'm lost. I have nowhere to go. This is chaos. I feel insecure. I don't want to talk to this girl. And, and th- th- then having my son saying, dad, 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 and going, okay, I'm broken. I don't want to do help. Then to have the experience flipped completely by someone who understood hospitality. I will take you there. I'm not just going to explain to you how to get there, and it's really complicated, and oh my gosh, it's, oh my gosh, it's all the way on the other side. I will take you there, and I will get you a chariot, and I will take your chariot all the way to the front row, and I will put you on ESPN too, so all your friends at home can see you on TV. I experienced something about hospitality in that moment that's going to be with me forever. There was this total shift from feeling insecure, from feeling like I don't belong, to uh, I not only belong, but I'm the poster boy of this event on ESPN2. What would it be like for us to treat people just like that college girl treated me in that event. Being people who see hearts and say, oh, I'll take you there. Being someone who sees insecurity and said, oh, 
Oh my, I'll take you there. Being someone who has the time, the generosity, and the capacity to be side by side with people and invite them into spaces that you are most proud of. That's what Jesus did. I mean, like, consider the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Okay, here it is. Let me read it for you. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, broke the loaves, and he gave them to his disciples and gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So here's a story of Jesus. Breaking the idea of hospitality happens in homes. It can't happen in homes, but Jesus is one of the most hospitable people on the face of the earth. He was God, and he was homeless. And so he created places of hospitality for people everywhere he went. In fact, in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus had been followed by people. I don't even know if he was intentionally trying to gather crowds. He was being followed by people, and he takes them to a place that the disciples say is remote. Why? Because that's where God typically takes his people, remote places. Think about the beginning of the earth. Think about our hearts. Think about this situation today. Think about the chaos. Think about the remoteness. And Jesus goes to this place that is remote. And the disciples are like, yo, okay, the sun is going down. There is a ton of people here. It is time to quit talking, Jesus. The sermon is over. They need to go. The disciples believed they had been practicing a heart of hospitality because they are thinking about the crowd and their best interest. They are thinking about, everyone's getting hungry. Send them away, right? I mean, like, this makes sense. It's time for everyone to go home. They all have homes. And Jesus, in this place that is remote, almost finds value in this place. He says, don't send them home. Don't send them back to the places they're comfortable, right? Like, like this is the thing that's happening. Why is it so important at the end of the day for these huge crowds of people to stay here? Because after the end of this story, he doesn't actually do any more sermons. He leaves. But he says, no, do not send them home. And then he points at the disciples and he says, you feed them. As if Jesus was going to teach them a little bit about hospitality. 
But the disciples had this idea of hospitality that hospitality belongs in homes. Send them home. And Jesus is saying hospitality belongs right here. And he gets this bread, and he gets the fish, and he takes the bread, and he offers it to heaven, and he breaks the bread. He separates the bread. And in the separation process, it creates a multitude of bread. In fact, in the end, in the end of this passage, it says the 12 disciples pass out all this bread and all these fish, and then they collect the food that's extra. And here's how the Bible describes it. They pick up 12 baskets of broken pieces. Why did the author of this story go into detail and say the pieces were broken? If I'm telling the story, I'm telling the story and I'm saying they picked up 12 baskets of bread. How did he do that? But there's almost a different tone. It's he picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread. It was in the brokenness that there was more than enough. It was in this separation of bread. You know what I mean? It's in this separation of bread that caused this abundance to happen. Lots of broken pieces come in separation, and lots of bellies are full. It spoke to the physicality of people. They were sitting on the grass. They were being fed. They had a desire to be together, and Jesus had a desire to be with them, just like all of us are like dying to be together. I am dying to see you face to face. I am dying to break bread. I'm, I'm dying. I love you guys so much. And this is what we all want. There is this desire to congregate, to be together, to sing together, to eat together. And this is what is happening in a remote place. Praise God for remote places. Praise God that those people didn't go home and seek after comfort. They were there as the sun went down because there had been a sun and there had been a moon because there was a separation from the beginning. The places in between. Our church is doing on June the 20th something very similar. There is this desire for us to get together. There's this desire for us to congregate. And so there's going to be this, at the same time, in tons of different spots, Spots and homes and households, our church is going to be holding a barbecue or 50 barbecues or a hundred barbecues. And our, our challenge simply is if, if, if you are someone who is, is dying to sh- be a part of this hospitality m- movement and, and hitting the pause button on the chaos and, and creating a space in between all the things that haven't been done and all the things that have to be done. And you say, I am going to do a campfire and a barbecue. I'm going to invite people over and say, don't go home. God has something for us here tonight. Um, that's our goal. So on June the 20th at 6 Our goal is is that as many people and as many homes as possible hit the pause button on the chaos and celebrate who God has built us as a family and as a church and daughters and sons of God. Um, And 
So if, if, if there are people that don't have a group to go to, feel free to call the church and say, I don't have a group yet, but I am, I am dying to see people and be a part of a family and a community, and the church is going to hook you up. It'll be awesome. Because our physical hearts of hospitality are being seen by others and seen by God. And on June the 20th, our goal is to begin to just sit in that. But the thing is, is hospitality just simply is not a physical thing. Hospitality is, is like a heart thing. And so much of the Bible in hospitality, this idea of hospitality goes beyond just feeding people. Or it goes beyond sitting down across the table from someone. And so for, for tons of people today, especially who are at home and they can't go out, there's this desire to show hospitality to people, but, but how do we do it? Consider the Apostle Paul, who spent almost all of his time alone. I mean, consider Paul. He is one of the most hospitable people in the Bible, and he does that. He shows hospitality simply by putting pen to ink. He does that by sitting in a place, and he's thinking and praying and considering other people. Everything that Paul composes, everything that, that, that's in the Bible, like, like each book of the Bible that Paul has done begins by him saying a prayer. And it's not just this hypothetical prayer, you know, God, we thank you for today type of a deal. It's this prayer that whoever he's, he's doing his thing to, um, he says, I see you. And here's the thing that you're going through. And here's the, here's the issues. And here's the problems. And here's the chaos. And, and here's your pain. I see you. And my heart for you is that boom, 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 boom. I see you. That is hospitality. It's hospitality because it performs this act of showing other people that they are seen. So consider how Paul says this here to the Corinthians. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our times of trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which pursuit and patience, endurance with the sufferings we suffer. And our hope is for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. What is going on? Jesus is talking, or Paul is talking to the Corinthians and he's saying, if you feel hopeless, good for you. If you are suffering, good for you. If you are feeling chaos, good for you. Because think about how this is going to empower you to show hope to everyone. Think about how this is going to empower you to bring comfort to the people that don't have comfort. Think about good for you. Because I know, like Paul's saying, because I know you have Jesus. Because you have Jesus and are experiencing hopelessness, you get to show everyone how you have hope. So good for you. 
Good for you if you are suffering, because I know you have Jesus. And if you have Jesus and are suffering, good for you, because you get to show everyone how you and Jesus get suffered together and bring hope. Good for you. If you are experiencing chaos, good for you, because you have Jesus. And you get to show everyone how Jesus navigates chaos. Good for you. That's what Paul is doing. He is talking to a people group who is experiencing persecution, hardship, anxiety, uh, just total darkness. And he's saying, I see you. And you are so lucky because you have Jesus and these people do not. And you get the opportunity to bear the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ to all of these people who need hope, who are hurting. Good for you. You see, this is a conversation about Jesus and Jesus' heart before it's a conversation between anything else. And if you have Jesus and are feeling anxiety and chaos, good for you. Because Jesus has been at this business a really long time. Towards the the end of Jesus' career, here on earth, he gathered his 12 disciples as he did in the beginning. And he took bread and he broke it. And these were chaotic times. This, like Jesus knew he was going to get brutally murdered. And he took bread and he broke the bread. He separated the bread as he has done. And he says, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did it to create this space that his disciples could see him clearly. He broke the bread. He separated the bread. This is my body. It brings me to this place of what was in between. And when Jesus broke the bread, the table was in between. His disciples were in between as he outstretched his arms. What he saw between the two pieces of bread was the table and his disciples. And there for a moment, and because this was a pattern that's going to be done billions of times in the future, he created this place of peace and chaos, which I have to think, did he break the bread as God broke the seas apart, creating the space in between? Did he break the bread, creating the space in between, like God broke the sky and the ground apart, or the darkness apart, creating, because Jesus took a survey of everything that was happening and said, this body needs to break. Because only when this body breaks can there be the place in between. And in this posture, brokenness is not a bad thing. And then you have to think, did Jesus copy the creation story or did the creation story copy Jesus? And did God create the earth by breaking bread? Because that was the only thing that existed. As if the body of Christ was always there. And 
John was telling the truth when he said all things were created through him and by him in his broken body. There is something about the breaking of bread, the breaking of people, the breaking of hearts, the breaking of chaos that creates wholeness and purpose and hospitality for others. Um, so, so I actually, I bought this bread today. Um, and before I came here, I was going to the store to buy bread um, so I could break it. And I go to the store, and I'm, I'm standing in front of all the bread. And there's a typical bread, right? There's the, com- the, the bread that you typically see for communion. It's big and poofy and, and beautiful, and it's crispy edges. And then I saw the jalapeno bread, and, and, and I thought, man, I'm really drawn to the jalapeno bread. And then I beat myself up about being drawn to the jalapeno bread because jalapeno bread can't be served for communion because the, the other bread, the typical bread, the, the big poofy doughy bread is communion bread. And th- th- then I be- beat myself up for being an idiot because of course that's not the bread that Jesus had. He had these, you know, it's not important, but, but he didn't have the big poofy bread. But then I said, yeah, but culture says, and this is what bread is for communion. I should just do this because if I did jalapeno bread, it's too different. And then people are going to complain about it that, that I didn't have biblical communion bread. And then I wept. I had my little thing on. I'm like crying because I thought, man, if there ever is a time that the church needs jalapeno bread for communion, it's now. If there ever is a time that the body of Christ needs to spice it up a little bit and, and, and be passionate about who they are and who he is and what he brings, it's now. And man, I had this holy moment at King Super's and I was crying, I was like, thank you God for your broken body. Thank you God for the ability to share it. And thank you God for the ability for the space to be in between that you have prepared for us. So it is time for us to partake in communion together. At homes, don't do it in your car. If you're driving, I'm breaking your bread for you. But this is a symbol of the broken body of Jesus and the space in between that you get to thrive, experience God's grace, wholeness, and all the beauty he has for you today. God, we thank you 
that you are a God who is not only comfortable in the chaos, but you are inspired by it. God, we thank you that you are not afraid to break things and that you're not afraid of broken things. That the brokenness inspires this heart of hospitality to see people where they are and to breathe life into it. Jesus, teach us how to be people who see the same things that you see. Help us to take the posture that you are taking. Help us to be generous through our hearts, through our times, through our spaces, and with our intentionality. Lord, grow a heart of hospitality inside of us, copying you and the great plans that you have. Jesus, we thank you for your heart and that you have prepared a table for us. Help us to prepare a table for each other and for others who aren't here yet because you seem to be a God who sees people before they even exist. Help us to have that same heartbeat. In Christ we pray, in Christ we proclaim, amen.
broken things You take broken things You take broken things God You take broken things and broken hearts You heal them You feel them Oh, that's what you do, God. Oh, that's what you do. Come feel, come feel the open spaces, God. Come feel the open spaces, Lord.
as we're worshiping, I just see this image coming forth of a desert. And this desert is dry and weary. This desert is barren. It's wondering where the water is, when it's gonna come, when are the rains gonna come? But instead I see this water underneath the desert, this water of eternal life springing up within us. Within this dry and weary time, the Spirit of God, the eternal life of Jesus Christ is springing up within his people. He's springing up. He's springing up. And in this desert, all of a sudden, I see these holes just popping out in the desert and water is bursting forth. It's bursting up, it's bursting forth. It can't be held back. It's the praises of God, praises God. God's praises cannot be held back. Even the rocks will cry out. They will praise him. His praises cannot be held back. But I see this like this little pounder thing. It's like that game whack-a-mole that's like trying to like hit every fountain that's popping up. It's trying to hold back the praises of God's people through circumstances and difficulties, through through the the all these the the trials and the 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 um pain that people are going through. This, this big whacker's trying to hold down and squash out the praises of God's people. And I just see that the waters of God are triumphing. The waters of God are bursting forth. I just, I just thank you, God. And I see this, this power of praise, this power of praise and worship bursting forth in the waters, declaring God's goodness, even when we can't see it. I thank you, God. I thank you, Jesus. The scripture comes to mind with it from Isaiah 43, 18. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Jesus, I thank you for your eternal living water that is deep within each of your children. Stir the waters, refresh us, Father God. God, I pray, Jesus, that you will well up within your people praises unto your throne, Jesus, for they are mighty and powerful. They tear down spiritual strongholds. They tear down the works of the enemy. They tear down despair and depression. When we praise him, when we lift him high over and above all of the darkness, I just thank you, Jesus. We praise your name. Amen. Amen.
Church, if you would, would you open your heart to receive the blessing? Sure. 